Hello, everybody, and welcome back to You Can't Win. This is Tom here, and I'm joined by Don, as usual. Uh, today, we have returning guest Goatstein back. Uh, we're going to be talking about some more of the uh, the good old troop hate stuff, getting into Fort Hood and some of the wacky misadventures that have been going on over there. Uh, but first, we'll just check in with him and see how he's doing. I think he uh, has, I don't know, has some interest in learning languages or something he wanted to talk about. Yeah, this has been something that we've uh, talked about in, well, not you and I, but uh, talked about in the cool chat for all the cool dudes about how to learn languages and such, and I thought I thought that would be something interesting to bring up. Um, also, for new uh, fans of me, I will not use my real name or my real face at all because uh, the internet is full of maniacs, and I've this has been my position for going on nearly 20 years now. So you can call me Goat, it's fine. It's not my Christian name, but, uh, yeah. Um, basically, the internet is like a dark forest in the, uh, uh <laughs> what's the name of that, uh, that sci-fi series? I guess it's called the, uh, Dark Forest series, but basically, yeah, whether or not people like to say, oh, you're a coward if you're not online and you're not using your real name, but it's like, you're... Uh, personal virtue has nothing to do with whether or not some maniacs are going to just swear a samurai blood oath against you. So I choose yeah. to uh, keep my real life and internet life separate. Mm-hmm. Yeah, sure. I I always think of it just like, what's the benefit to me from sharing that information? Basically nothing. Mm-hmm. And what's the potential risk? Well, probably very little, to be honest, but there is some risk. So it's like all risk, no benefit. So it yeah. seems like a no-brainer to me. What if you're a sexy lady with big boobs, though? Well, maybe I am. Who knows? Yeah. That's that's the whole thing with the <laughs> anonymity, you know? Yeah. I mean, if you are, then you, there is a benefit, though. For me, it's different because I was like, I write things sometimes and stuff. But at a certain point, it was also because it's like, you know, what were people going to be able to do to me kind of thing? You know, <laughs> it was like, it was like, <laughs> they were like, they're going to get me fired from nothing kind of thing, you know? So. <laughs> it was, uh, I was like, well, whatever. And, uh, it's also one of those things where like, you know, decisions I made 10 years ago or something, you know, just, th- just buried any hope of being anonymous and stuff. So, yeah. Yeah. That's also sure. true. Yeah. Once, once you're out, you're out. It's like the Mexican wrestlers who lose the mask. You can't go back. But I mean, also, <laughs> also with you, it's like somebody just needs to find your post from, you know, 10, 15 years ago, even if under your pseudonym where it's like, oh, this guy uh, said we need, uh, we should regard the dead troops as little Nobel Peace Prizes, <laughs> which I agree with. I'm not roasting you for that, but, you know, it's not something that's going to play well with the pipe fitters in Peoria, shall we say. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> that's a, a big part of our market demographic, actually, so <laughs> yeah, maybe maybe I'll edit that part out there. Yeah. Fair enough. So as far as uh, as far as the language learning was going, I wanted to um, I would just I just mentioned that in passing because I know that's something that we were all interested in, um, and it was something that came to my mind because uh, people were talking about like, what's the best way to learn a language and so on. And I have thoughts about that, but I was more um, interested just to start with like what is you? Uh, I mean, I'll, I'll put my my balls on the table first. I've learned uh, Spanish. I can read Italian, and I have a couple of other, uh, I have another meme language that I learned uh, from the online, but what is your experience? 
Yeah, so uh, I guess I have very, very slowly learned a small amount of French. Like I can like read newspaper articles and stuff like that. But like, uh, and uh, you know, I, I learned a bit of German in high school. Yeah, but I I have failed at learning a lot more languages. Kind of thing. Like I've taken courses in like a bunch of things. Like I, uh, when I was in China, I took some Chinese courses. I took like and stuff, and it just it uh it didn't uh, pan out and stuff. I, I probably know like a hundred characters in Chinese, which is not like a lot. That's like, you know, you have to know like thousands of them, I guess, to be literate. And uh, so, yeah, so I, I, this will probably, you know, I, the, the skills would probably benefit me uh, because uh, I don't know. I, I, I feel like at this point, I kind of have like a handful of languages that I might be able to level up in a bit but we'll see kind of thing like uh, i want to learn french enough that i'm like fluent one day and uh, to be able to use it in work and stuff and um and then you know eventually it'd be nice to get my german up to like being able to use it like as like a tourist or something like that kind of thing and uh um but i don't know chinese i think it'd be neat to like learn more but i i i'm kind of skeptical that i'd be able to go all the way with it so yeah okay um so i grew up uh bilingual with english and finnish and um my finnish is very rusty and it's sort of like third grade level you know so some of my vocabulary is kind of funny because it's like the kid version of a word you know Mm -hmm. i learned spanish in school i learned turkish in college those are probably the next two strongest ones and i don't know I, I consider those to be like languages i can actually speak or understand if i could like watch a movie or something and understand what's going on or if like i hear it in the street and i can tell what they're talking about maybe if it's not like a hundred percent but if i can kind of like follow the conversation then i feel like that counts so that's that's where i'm at with those two um i did study a little bit of italian and french like when i was younger I wouldn't say that I could really speak it, but they're close enough to like Spanish in a lot of ways that I I can kind of like make sense of some things and and everything. So, um, and then Arabic is sort of between the Spanish and Turkish, and then the uh, the French and Italian. Like it's a couldn't really speak it, but I can often like understand what people are saying and stuff. And um, yeah, that was yeah. gonna be my my second question. My first question was you can hear Turkish on, you can hear and understand Turkish on the street. You mean dogs barking? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, I can write in it. Um, it's a bit rusty at this point, but I, I can write in it. I can watch a movie or a TV show and understand it perfectly Ooh, fine. I can you get to like, watch Turkish Star you know. Wars in the original Turkish. <laughs> yeah. They actually have some cool movies. There's this one, uh, film director, um, I'm forgetting his name now. It's like Noor, Nuri something. Um, but he, he's done some cool movies. Once Upon a Time in Anatolia is a pretty good movie. Not a lot of dialogue, though. It's very, like, brooding, silent, like, kind of stuff. And then every once in a while, someone says, like, shit. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, and I said to Goat earlier that you uh, probably know, like, a lot of the Arabic terms, just, like, in general kind of thing from... Yeah, what, what, yeah, so... What goat would the, call yeah. the moon worship. <laughs> right. Yeah, I think people maybe sometimes assume that, like, if you know a little bit of Arabic from, like, Islam, that you can speak Arabic, but it's really kind of different. 
Um, maybe it's somewhat similar to like the Latin vocabulary in Catholicism or something like that. Mm-hmm. Um, but like you learn prayers often in Arabic, you learn the Quran in, that's in Arabic. A lot of times at the mosque, the, the khutbahs, the sermons will be at least partially in Arabic. And so you, you kind of pick up on a lot of stuff. I've heard that you have to like learn standard Arabic and then you have to learn like the regional in order to be able to speak anything because the Arabic stretches all the way from Morocco to Indonesia. So God knows how many yeah. variations there are that are almost unintelligible. But... Yeah, I mean, it's, it's pretty regional. Like if you're in the like, uh, I don't know, like the Arab heartland, like an Iraqi can speak with like a Saudi or someone from Lebanon or whatever. But Morocco is pretty different. Um, that's called Amiya. It's like colloquial Arabic. Oh. And then uh, Fusha, which is like the standard Arabic, is what people generally can like know that across the, you know, the Arab speaking world, because that's like the official kind of Arabic that they use in like news media and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. And it's somewhat closer to classical, like Quranic Arabic, but it's really not. It's much closer to like modern colloquial Arabic. But um, if, if anything is going to be closest, it would be that. Well, that was kind of the reason why I wanted to bring this up is like, um, how did you more, not more just are bragging about how we can speak languages, but how did you learn Arabic? Was it just from the Quran? Right. Did you find other things? Um, I probably picked up the most from spending some time in Jordan. I was there for about a year, hmm. uh, Jordan and Palestine and just like kind of, I don't know, immersion, you know. That's, that's what people always say, I guess, and I kind of agree that immersion is the best way. You really learn much faster than classroom like or, I guess, apps. I haven't I haven't tried any of those apps, but... Like Bart in the classic season one Simpsons episode. Where he goes to France, or, yeah. Or he goes to France and they put antifreeze in the wine. Yeah. Um, actually, that's how I, that's how I started, um, and it still can... can Sifts of most of my um, ability was I started I started with the uh, Duolingo app for Spanish and Spanish is the best um, language they have on that app. It's got it's the most robust. Uh, but even after that, it kind of it'll taper off after a while. So you have to do kind of outside stuff and building uh, uh, flashcard decks and then another website I used. So basically. Um, what I started with was Duolingo, which nowadays I think actually they've done some updates since I first started around uh, five years ago. It, it's actually fairly comprehensive. There's some stuff you won't learn, especially like uh, cursing. Uh, that is a fairly major <laughs> sure. um, um, thing that isn't in there. And then um, there's a flashcard program that I learned called Anki, uh, that I uh, got called Anki, and basically you create your own. Uh, digital flashcards, and you just go through them. And uh, uh, if you if you got it, you know it's a good. If you barely got it, it's hard. If you if you fail, then it'll uh, re- remind you again tomorrow, that sort of thing. And I've made over eleven thousand flashcards in Anki over the last six years, of wow. just various words, various words that don't appear in the uh, Spanish language Duolingo or the Do, and just like you know. Five years ago, I needed I needed to remember that, but now I don't. It'll come up and like, what the hell is this? But I'll leave it there. And then um, after the after Duolingo gets done, there's another website called Closemaster 
that I used uh, to help polish up, which is um, sentences that are translated by um, a community of language learners, and you have to pick the uh, missing word in the sentence in order to, to, to move forward. So it's a little less, um, honestly, it's a little less uh, quality because they're like created by, you know, random assholes online as opposed to, uh, you know, a professional app. But it does give you a broader depth of stuff and a more realistic grasp of the language, which is what I would recommend doing once you get done with Duolingo, at least for Spanish. Mm-hmm. So, and what do you use Spanish for at all? Is it just like to, to learn it or do you like, it, does it, you know, have you traveled a lot or? Um, it's a hobby. When I first started, my wife and I went to Puerto Rico a couple of years ago um, and I was not good enough to do it. And that kind of kicked me in, into doing it more. I don't really use it for work. At this point, it is essentially just a hobby. It's more that I was like, um, well, first of all, I, 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 did, it, I did it in high school. And I was like, oh, God, I'm never, I'm, I'm never, I'm never going to get this. And then that, and then also like, um, just being bored at work and, and like, oh, fuck it. I'll just, I'll learn Spanish while in my downtime instead of playing like Petrus or whatever. So yeah, that was, that was, that was the main motivation. More, more just a hobby as opposed to anything that, um, was something that I would use in my day-to-day life. Although now, now, that, now that I consider myself fluent and the pandemic's over, I think I would like to go down to Mexico City next year and uh, you know, talk to the locals and such. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's cool. Sounds cool. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so that's what I would recommend to people who are who are listening here. Just uh, at least for the at least for the big languages that people want to learn, I think Duolingo is pretty good to to get you rolling, and then. From there, there are uh, communities online that will help you uh, from there. Yeah, that's cool. Um, Tabs was using Duolingo for Turkish a little bit, just because mm. she, I don't know why exactly, just for fun, <laughs> I guess. But it seemed okay. Like, it seemed like it would teach you words, but it's not really going to teach you how to speak exactly. Like, maybe basic, really basic sentences, but... Mm. I don't know if it would make you like able to hold a conversation or something. Yeah, that is that is the main the main problem because it's not talking to a person. There's no really no opportunity to learn how to speak. You just kind of learn the words and then you can speak a little bit just from, you know, understanding the vocabulary, but if you really want to practice your speech, you have to actually talk to a person. Sure. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I've never gotten into this thing of like just learning it as a hobby that I, I feel like I would need some kind of other motivation to learn it. And then in that case, it would be easier other ways, right? Like if I if I have to learn a language because I'm moving to a country or something, then it's easiest just to kind of get there. You do a little bit of legwork, maybe you take a class or something, but you just will end up picking, I, I don't, at least for me, like you, you will end up picking it up, so... I don't know. Yeah. I uh, moved to uh, Montreal a few times. And I mean, in, in Canada, you learn French in high school and stuff like that, or in uh, grade school, whatever, like just kind of on your way up. And uh, I did not learn much from that process other than I think you learn like some basic things kind of just get drilled into you. But I I, I, lear- I forgot it pretty quickly because I just thought like, oh, I'll never need this for some reason. And then uh, I went to Montreal on some like immersion thing. A few times, and uh, uh, it's funny because I probably have taken the equivalent of the first year university French 
like three or four times and it's just it still hasn't like completely sunk in i'm just not good at it kind of thing and uh, it's a lot of it is just because i haven't had a lot of opportunities to use it but um i mean enough that like you know i lived in montreal for years so it's like i can i can navigate kind of thing like it's you know you could just it's you see the words everywhere and stuff and you just know the basics mm -hmm. so it's fine but like uh, i was never good at like uh, just sitting down and like sort of drilling on the grammar and all that kind of stuff. So, um, yeah. Tell those fuckers they're white and they're north of the Rio Grande. They need to speak English. That's, uh, that's on them, not on you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I think it's the opposite. I think that like English, uh, it, you know, is going away. It should go away. I don't know. Anglo what? hell. Yeah. And be replaced <laughs> by French. I, I don't know about that. I don't know. Maybe like Spanish or Chinese or something. I don't know. We'll see. Maybe we'll hold hold like a vote, like a worldwide vote. What should like be the world language instead of just default English? Because Americans are <laughs> God. rich. I don't know. Yeah. Oh God, it's gonna be, gonna get hacked by 4chan, and we're all gonna speak like language, <laughs> make language face. <laughs> Somehow Hebrew wins. Like wh yeah. what? How did that happen? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> You're anti-Semitic for guessing there was some reason for that. <laughs> I'm very strongly against that idea of like a one-world language. I I, uh, I like the variety and multiplicity of languages. Yeah. I think they're important. Yeah, I don't. I don't really mean that we should all speak one language. I just mean that like we should get rid of English. Mm. Just so like, you know, we'll just we'll just displace it because it's a failed culture. So we will have to like. <laughs> yeah we should uh deconstruct it back to its like component parts yeah. of like the old uh whatever frankish and norman and sure. all that stuff old english mm -hmm. and then we're right back to french look at your hubris look at where it's gotten you <laughs> <laughs> yeah that's true sure uh oh um on the topic of, oh, this is a good segue. On the topic of language learning and also uh, into the uh, Afghan stuff, uh, Reality Winner got uh, released from prison recently, and she was a uh, translator. I think she spoke she spoke Pashtun, and I don't even remember a bunch, a couple of those um, languages. It would be good to use in the Middle East. She finally got released out of prison for being just a Russiagate lib and. <laughs> I can't remember how many people she killed. It. I think it was 600. I want to say that. She was officially credited as having 600 confirmed kills by her ability to uh, speak Arabic and Pashtun and telling the, the drone operators where to go. Wait, who is this? Reality Winner was the uh, source for some of the intercepts reporting a couple of years ago about how uh, she, she released some classified document that said, like, uh, the CIA thinks that Russia is talking to Trump. It's like, okay, uh, I'm not saying that's wrong, but like, you don't need to leak le a classified document about it. Just turn on the TV. It's, it's, uh, it's obvious. Oh, this is that's her real name. Yes, Holy her real smokes. name is Reality Winner. Yes. I thought this was like some Twitter poster or something. No, that is her real name. <laughs> Well, her her mama done named her reality winner. Her mama, Mrs. Winner, is like, I'm gonna double down on this shit. Yeah, I don't know if you can claim to be reality winner if you end up in prison for that long. That seems like <laughs> a major setback. Yeah, didn't they like 
sort of mess up that uh, interaction to the intercept, something like that? Wasn't there some? Yeah, to some extent. It, from what I from what I remember, the problem was that she like got some classified documents and she leaked them. So even if the intercept did everything correctly, they probably still would have found her. But they also the intercept also was like, "Hey, are these documents legit?" To the uh, uh, FBI without crossing out like identifying numbers on when they were accessed and so on. So <laughs> that was uh, that was not good on their part. But they probably would have found her anyway. There's only a certain number of people who have access to these documents, which once again were not like anything important to know. You could just ask the CIA if they think that Trump talked to Russia, and they would just tell you. So, mm-hmm. huh? Yeah. Well, okay. She's a she's a butcher. <laughs> that's the important thing. Sometimes <laughs> yeah, that's you have. To, sometimes you have to get Capone on tax evasion. <laughs> yeah, I thought it was the opposite for some reason. I had, when I heard people saying that she had like a kill count or whatever and stuff like that, I thought it was that like because she leaked the documents, there was like some documents or something that like revealed the names of people or something. Or so no, I always thought that. Not at but all. it was she just she just went ham on people. Yeah, she was a, a translator for the Air Force drone program, and. Uh, in her official duties, was acknowledged officially by the Air Force as uh, having, I want to say, 600 confirmed kills. Let me look this up. That's a lot. It is a that lot. Is, uh, quite a lot. Yes, it is exactly, it is 600 confirmed kills, which I know because I created a meme, uh, a who, who would win meme, uh, which was 20 of the n- most notorious murderers of the last half century, McVeigh, 168, Kaczynski, 3, Eric Rudolph, 2, yada, 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 Anders Brevik, 77, Elliot Rogers, 7, a bunch of these guys, and then some serial killers down there, uh, who, in total over the 20, equal 599 confirmed kills, and then uh, oh, one man. lib with a stupid name, reality winner, 600 confirmed kills, hashtag hoorah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I wonder, like, yeah, wow. the translating there was probably, like, you know, she like goes into a village or something and they're like, please, we need food. We need food or something. And then she's like, yeah, they said, uh, they're, they're like planning an attack on like Madison square garden or something like that, whatever, you know? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Why not? I mean, hell it gets you, gets you, uh, it gets you more, uh, medals for your fucking Soviet general ass. Yeah. So, I don't know, maybe we'll transition now into uh, the Vanity Fair article we wanted to talk a bit about, which is, uh, okay, so the the title that they use on the website is, The Only Thing I Knew How to Do Was Kill People Inside the Rash of Unexplained Deaths at Fort Hood by Mei Jung, um, uh, July 6, 2021. So it's just a new article. And uh, so we'll put the link in the description as well. But, uh, um, yeah, so near the start of the article, uh, it has a pretty tough opener <laughs> it says uh last year at least 39 for fort hood soldiers died or went missing 13 killed themselves five were murdered 11 of the deaths remain unsolved some legally others for the victims families um and so it kind of walks through some of the recent deaths at fort hood this was just last year like 2020 and uh yeah it's a uh, it's a pretty tough article, I mean, but uh, it kind of gets into some of the different, uh, you know, I mean, it, it kind of blurs together at some point. You just It's just all terrible, 
uh, troop stuff kind of thing, you know? So uh, that's also the same base where uh, in 2009, that guy, uh, Nidal Hassan, shot a bunch of people, 13 people. So I don't know. And there's only 45,000 soldiers on the base, apparently. So you got to think that like if 39 go die in like a year uh, from, you know, bad circumstances kind of thing, whatever. Uh, that's like one in a thousand, which is pretty not, that's, that's not like a rate you want to see in general. So, yeah. I disagree. But okay. you <laughs> Sure. <laughs> well, I mean, I, I think what's odd, especially is like the nature of the deaths. It's not like people are just like committing suicide or, or you know, something like that. It's like, it seems like targeted killings, like people are getting, I don't know, they're finding bodies like in uh, in their cars, like with n- multiple stab wounds. It's made to appear like some kind of suicide or something, but it's like the facts don't really add up. There's a bunch of these yeah, they're, kind of, uh, odd circumstances. The, the TLDR is that these people are, people are dying, and it's not just suicide. It's obviously the troops have a lot of those, but it's not just suicides. It's um, murders that are made to look like suicides for a lot of them or just they just disappear and like oh he just got drunk and wandered off and decided he was going to shoot himself four times in the head kind of deal um the the thing that really stuck out to me in this article and it's not really new information for me as a uh long time follower of the troops but the thing that really stuck out to me as an example of it uh was the what they call when when people call when they talk about hating the cops, they talk about the blue wall of silence. Like, you know, one cop will fuck up and then nobody will nobody will snitch and it'll go away. Um, and that's that's at least as true as it is for the troops, not just here, but in dozens of articles I've read over the last ten, fifteen years. Um, mm-hmm. and in this case the only thing that the only thing that's really different about it is that they're killing other troops it's not just you know some Iraqi guy uh, we decided we we're gonna blow him away and we nobody said anything and just it just kind of went away until we all got to go home kind of deal these are fellow officers uh, largely women largely people who were bullied by the other co- other troops um, they get they get murdered or raped and murdered and uh, the other troops not just kill them, you know, in any organization there's going to be a couple of psychos, but it's not just that they that, that guy kills them, it's that everybody rallies around that guy, and not just even that, but the, the local police rally around the military and say, okay, we're not going to worry about this, you know, he was a loser, these, these things happen kind of deal. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And beyond that, too, I mean, yeah, I mean, as you're saying, like, they... they uh... You know, they, they'll have like these investigations that looks like where, I mean, you know, at first maybe it might be like, oh, it's a suicide or a lover's quarrel and all that kind of stuff. But like then uh, they, they, the investigation seems to just be like, well, we found out, you know, oh, okay, well, maybe he did kill this guy, girl or whatever, you know, stuff like that. And then uh, it, it like, the details of it are like, you know, basically other people had to be involved in different ways in different murders and stuff or you know like uh, there's like a chain of people that you know had to have some information about what was going on or you know would have stood in for someone or like you know forged records or something like that kind of thing you know and then none of that gets investigated at all there's no there's no there's no like follow-up on that kind of side of it 
you know? Yeah, the it's main like, well, the main story in this was the story of um, some woman. I don't remember her name, um, which is on me, but some some woman who was a troop who um, went into a uh, went into go requisition a gun or something, and um, there was a guy who was stalking her, and uh, everybody everybody on base reported that you know. She uh, got what she was looking for. She walked out and drove off. Like, a, a bunch of different people verified this dude's story, but it was... I mean, this is verifiably. This isn't a mystery. He was he was full of shit. He killed her. Uh, oh, this is uh, Vanessa Guillen, right? Uh, I think so. I think so. Yeah. But the, in the, the, the thing here isn't that he killed her, which, again, I might go back to it. You know, shit happens. I'm not saying it's good. But these other people on on the on the base all affirmed what was completely bullshit uh, alibi, with no apparent reason to do so. They probably weren't involved in the killing. It's just more like, oh, oh, this guy's a fellow troop, and you know, we don't want to get him in trouble. So yeah, that girl walked off the base. We all saw it, kind of deal. And if there, and if the thing I want the listeners to take away from this is that if they're willing to do that for an innocent woman who's also an American and a troop, what are they willing to do for the enemy? Quote, unquote. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And, uh, I mean, that's, a, that's a theme in the article is, you know, talking about like, uh, that these people are basically warped into, uh, killers and things like that kind of thing that this is, it's like, you know, if, if, uh, if all you have is a hammer, you know, everything looks like a nail kind of thing, like, you know, attitude. And, uh, they, uh, but it's funny. I was looking on her Twitter, Mae Jung's Twitter, and it says like, uh, she says like, it goes without saying none of the criticism of the U S military should mean a disavowing of the men and women who serve there Our solidarity is with the people, not the institutions. And, uh, I find it hard to ratify that after, you know, like, right. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. There's something beyond the institution at that point, kind of thing. You know, if they're, you know. this is this is too broad to talk about. But that's kind of been my philosophy for a while. There is like, all right, well, we're going to ratify. We're going to criticize the institution, not the people. What is the institution made of, if not people? Yeah. Who's doing this? Who's covering it up? Is it aliens from another dimension? No, it's fucking. Anyway, uh. That's that is kind of my uh, a guiding light of my whole philosophy and my uh, misanthropy, which has left me a bitter shell of a man. But mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, um, there was another thing I wanted to talk about, which is um, like I mentioned before, it's not just the um, it's not just the troops covering up; it's also the cops covering it up. And this is something that uh, is in this article. Um, let's see here. So on August seventeenth, Sergeant Elder Fernandez disappeared. Fernandez had been stationed at Fort Hood in January. Uh, yada yada. Skip this. He uh, reported to Fort Hood abusive sexual uh, contact from an officer, uh, who he alleged groped him in a supply room. Uh, he transferred to another unit, and he where he was called another snitch and worse. Um, he called his mother. Uh, no, a higher up called his mother to tell him that he had not shown up to work for, for a few days. Um, he was he was found in the army hospital. He said they wouldn't share much, nothing about what caused him to be hospitalized, and said that he was using an insecure hospital baseline. Uh, a few days later, they spoke again for the last time. As soon as I get out of the hospital, I will tell you everything. Um, Fernandez was dropped off at his friend's house the next day, August seventeenth, never to be seen again. 
Um, when Alina contacted the military police at Fort Hood, they told her that Fernandez was an adult, and if he was missing, he likely didn't want to be found. If she wanted to pursue things further, she would have to file a missing persons report with the local police. The police told her that he was an adult and that he, they would not report him as missing. Uh, when Alina offered the Fort Hood authorities the contents of her son's car, including a laptop, iPad, and external hard drive, they declined to investigate further. I'm astounded that nobody is interested, the Fernandez family lawyer Lenny Keston told me. Is it possible Elder was murdered? Is it possible that Elder killed himself? It's possible. Don't they care what happened? If he killed himself, don't they want to know why? And that is really the, that's really the thing that, that I think is the most important to take away from here. It's not just that these people are assholes and scum, but also that they, everybody kind of knows and they're just kind of going along to get along. Yeah. Yeah, th- that part of the story, I don't know. Some of this stuff sort of uh, rang some bells for me. It sort of reminded me of things around like the uh, Son of Sam stuff. Like there's the kind of uh, alternative theory around those killings that it was like a satanic cult of like m- numerous people, not just the one crazy guy that thought the dog was talking to him, that kind of thing. And I don't know if anyone's seen that recent Netflix documentary. It goes into that uh, the book that uh, I can't remember. Program to Kill, I think it was called. Um, anyway, um, it goes into that guy's theory, and he does a bunch of investigation and finds that like this cult uh, did exist. It was operating in that area in New York, but it also like had connections to a uh, kind of another cell or another kind of. Uh, another group uh, that was operating in a army base in North Dakota. And uh, they were up to like weird stuff. They were like, apparently like all these German shepherds in the town kept going missing. Uh, That was happening in New York too. They found like hundreds of uh, dog skeletons and corpses and stuff. Um, But there's also people who were, uh, what was it? Chinese new year. Hey, (laughs) (laughs) Oh no. Um, but you know, with, with these like killings where it's like made to appear like a suicide and stuff like that, that was happening around this base as well. And, uh, I don't know, it just sort of like, uh, rang some bells for me, you know, like, um, uh, Aquino being a, uh, a sergeant in the army, uh, in like a psyops, uh, like whatever it's called branch or department or whatever, um, it seems like there is some weird stuff around that. I'm not saying that this has anything to do with that necessarily, but I imagine that there's a lot of uh, overlap or like um, it complements one another. You know, this kind of like a code of silence sort of deal going on with yeah. the military and then having this like weird cult murder thing going on. Yeah, and even if it's uh, not like a conspiracy, I mean, maybe the cops were just covering up because he was a troop and. Yeah, you know, sure. Don't yeah, yeah. I, th- I think that's probably what's going on. I don't know. I'm just saying, like, it kind of. Well, I'm, you know, I'm just saying, I'm, I'm yeah. not a conspiracy guy, but yeah, that is one thing that is has never really been uh, dealt with by a lot of the people who um, are skeptics of this sort of thing. Is that the CIA did have a mind control program, which I don't believe worked, but who knows how many people it made crazy, even if they couldn't control them, kind of deal. Mm-hmm. Right, right. So, yeah, that's kind of was what I was getting to with this guy, Elder Fernandez, because he was kind of going nuts, right? Like, mm-hmm. it goes on, and he started to talk. Was it this guy, or maybe it was a different guy? But anyway, 
starts to talk about like he thinks the CIA is after him. Um, uh, no, this is somebody else. It was actually a different guy, Castile, Edward Castile. But uh, you know, he thought the CIA was chasing after him. He started to act really erratically and all this kind of stuff. Uh, it, it just makes me wonder, like, you know, the the army or the military had like the Phoenix program, and that was the uh, you know intimately connected to this like you were talking about the mind control programs the cia had uh essentially it was just like extreme trauma you know inflicted upon a person and it just you know destroyed their mind and a lot of the people that were you know victims of that behaved very similar to this and then you see a lot of these weird killings happening in the same way i don't know um i think there's something to that I'm not well, saying anything specific about this case, you know, but I, I think, uh, I know it all kind of lines up. Don, do you have anything to say? Because I have a funny story about that. If you want to comment first before I... I no, I, I'll, I'll, I'll tell my story after yours. All right. So the, the story of mind control is actually very darkly funny. So the um, in Korea, in the Korean War, uh, captured U.S. POWs would show up on the TV and on radio, and they would um, say, you know, I committed war crimes, I'm a piece of shit, etc. And the official explanation was that the uh, they had developed a mind control technology to make them say these things, which the most obvious uh, thing is that that's true, and the second most obvious thing, or um, the most obvious thing is that they're, what they're saying is true, they were committing war crimes, they were killing civilians uh, indiscriminately. We know that as a fact. But the other thing is, even if that's not what you want to believe, it's like, okay, so where's the editing? Like, they have a gun to the guy's head and say, say that you committed war crimes or we'll kill you. That's not really mind control. It's just like, you know, the <laughs> editing around it. But they needed to have an excuse for why these guys were saying this, so they came up with mind control. So, and the thing is also, you have to understand, that the people in the CIA are idiots, there, at least, at least in that hey. time, at least in that time, not all of us. <laughs> the thing is that these guys were idiots. One of the most famous uh, um, scandals for the CIA was they all got tricked by James Randi, a literal stage magician, who tricked them into believing that some of some of his operatives were using psychic powers to bend spoons and communicate over long distances, and there was like the better part of a decade of research around this since they finally, you know, pulled the ripcord and exposed these guys were idiots who were just buying whatever they well, were told. I have some ideas about that, if I could interject real quick. Sure, go ahead. I think that that kind of stuff is... I, I'm sure there were probably people who sincerely believed in it. Like, there were people who weren't, like, clued into whatever, you know, behind-the-curtains deals and stuff uh, that had to sign off on it, I'm sure. But... Um, I think a lot of that is like cover uh, for various things. I, I think the whole mind control, like the MK Ultra mind control stuff, it seemed to be a response to a belief that the Chinese communists had something like that going on. And basically, what the, what they discovered was that the uh, they were just torturing people, or you know whether or not that's true, I don't know. That's what the CIA was telling people like internally telling their their people right right no like, okay, I'm, this is I'm not i'm not arguing with that what i'm saying is what you just said is exactly true 
So they were not yeah. actually this, the uh, the they were not actually mind controlling people. The Chinese and the Koreans were all, were actually not mind controlling people, but they came to realize that over time. Meanwhile, they were funding these experiments, and the uh, the cost of those experiments was they kidnapped a bunch of people and gave them like drugs and tortured them and put yeah. them in rooms on LSD, which nobody knew what a hallucinogen was back then. So it you know it drove them crazy, and they were just trying to break their wills to do mind control. But the whole premise of that whole program was based on a ridiculous fiction that there was such a thing as mind control that somebody else had figured out and they had to catch up in order to uh, compete in the market of you know clandestine operations yeah yeah sure i i mean my my point is i think that a lot of that is just like covered for the budget they have to Mm -hmm. kind of acquire a budget so they have a story and if it works, it works. It doesn't matter who believes and who doesn't. It, like it may be just something that everyone kind of goes along with because it provides money to something that they want to do, and it can kind of be under the cover of like, yeah, this is a this is part of that whole mind control thing, you know. And and then you can kind of do whatever you want with, you know, what I mean. So well, I I see what you mean. As a non-conspiracy guy, I take a, a different approach on that. I feel like um, people are dumb, and um, they were essentially just. Um, playing with a Ouija board and freaking out that it was giving them all this information. And they didn't yeah, realize yeah, it. Sure. They didn't realize that that's what they were doing until it became untenable to uh, think anything else. So that that's my position, is that they were they, they thought they had something really important here and something really uh, powerful until it became clear that they were just doing quackery because uh, people pulled the rug out from under them. That's my opinion. All right, fair enough. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Don, you had something. Um, yeah, so uh, yeah, my 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 story is less less interesting, but it's uh, more relevant to me because it's about Canada. So they uh, um, they uh, recently uh, in I think it was Nova Scotia, um, the Canadian military. Um, so there was like people started getting leaflets that said that there was like a certain type of wolf attack in the area to be like. Uh, you know, be be wary about this certain type of I think it was like gray wolf or something. You know, some sort of certain terp type of wolf that, like they said, was uh, you know popular in the area now for some reason and like was attacking people or something like that. And uh, um, people, I guess, because of social media and stuff, people almost instantly were like, "What the hell is this kind of thing?" Like it's obviously fake or something. And uh, the military admitted that what they were doing was handing out fake leaflets to see if they could track people online, like see the spread of the idea that wolves were attacking people in the area and then see if people claimed that they actually were attacked by wolves. So they wanted to like do basically a military science experiment to see if they could psyop people into believing that they actually were attacked by wolves even though that they weren't actually attacked by wolves, it was just like their thing. And uh, their attitude to this was just to go, yeah, sorry about that. And it was just, like, you know, like we just, we just, uh, yeah, we were just uh, trying to mind control people basically. And uh, um, they didn't like, uh, you know, no one's, apparently I was reading today that like no one has been like sanctioned or anything for it kind of thing. Like the idea that like you can just go and uh, practice this sort of thing. And it's funny because, 
the way that like it was kind of sold was almost like well you know it was a wild idea they had to just go do this kind of thing or something and stuff i think to, to me it's more like uh it seems that like uh, this is the thing that they think they're supposed to be doing. Like that's the that's the approach to citizens they have, kind of thing or something like that. Is that citizens are very easily, you know, led to one conclusion or another. They have to be able to like fight the war of information and all this kind of stuff. And it ends up like with stuff like where in Britain they had like that whole institute basically set up just to fight Corbyn kind of thing. Like they set up this like semi-public kind of thing where it was like. Uh, you know, fighting online misinformation campaigns, but it was just completely like, you know, criticizing Corbyn for being anti-Semitic and stuff. Like that. You know what I mean? Like the so it's this weird, it's this weird area now where like it's like they're, they're fighting an information war, but like just just completely like uh, you know fabricated uh, ideas. So yeah, yeah, they uh, yeah whatever else is true, they. Are, they are kind of afraid, obviously, that like they've lost the uh, complete control of information for sure. That's not even a conspiratorial thing to say. They've they used to have three networks that all more or less said the same thing, and now, like it or not, there's ten million assholes who have you know an audience who are saying whatever they want, and that's not really productive to the manufacture of consent. Mm-hmm. Um, so just to get back to the article, uh, I thought that the most interesting part to me was this, uh, part three where it kind of gets into the history of the base and the town. Um, which I don't know. It sort of like really paints a picture here. Like it talks about how this town was, uh, like a lot of land was, was confiscated to build the base uh, from like thousands of people had their land taken for this. And, uh, it was eventually built up to become like the most densely populated military base, uh, cost $35 million had at its peak, 95,000 soldiers on it, 35 firing ranges, 18 chapels, three bowling alleys and 1384 barracks. Uh, three bowling alleys kind of really tells the story for me. Like you don't just need one, you need three. That's how many people were on this. Mm-hmm. Named for a Confederate general too, which I don't know. I, I know they're changing this now. They might be like, isn't that like the plan? They're gonna they're gonna rename the bases, but like, uh, yeah, that was a that's a cell phone right there by Americans to like name your bases after Confederates. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, that's kind of bizarre, isn't it? Yeah. Like, yeah, wasn't that the guys that we defeated? Yeah. Anyway, I mean the the town it's in Killeen, Texas. It was a apparently a hotbed of clan activity. Uh, they didn't have any black residents until the 1950s, which sort of, I don't know, like reading the about the different um, deaths and stuff, it seemed like a lot of them were Latino, and it was just kind of like maybe that's kind of an aspect of this. Yeah. Uh, it was t- talking about how like a huge part of the population um, have ties to the military. Two-thirds of the entire town uh, are connected to the military in some way. Mm-hmm. Uh, that a lot of the like immigrant uh, communities there, the immigrant population, are Korean, Japanese, and Vietnamese, and it it kind of says that a lot of them are uh, like war brides that they kind of came home with soldiers and made little like sushi restaurants and stuff when they got back here. Um, yeah, 
the pretty impressive nexus of evil. Oh, the other thing uh, from that article that I thought was really interesting was it was also built on an Indian burial ground, and yeah. uh, they did mention they did mention that like some girl walked onto the military base and got bad vibes because as soon as, as soon as she stepped foot on it, her rosary uh, exploded. <laughs> Let me see if I can find this part here. That was really great. Well, now I missed that part. The satanic cult thing is kind of. I don't know. <laughs> yeah. I mean, if you were going to set up a cult on a military base, why not pick the one with the bad vibes and the that was built on a burial ground? Yeah. You know? It is kind of weird that the Pentagon is a Pentagon. I just got to say, I've always thought that. Um, <laughs> oh, here it is. I found. I felt a bad vibe there. Lupe says, referring to Fort Hood. One of the first times she stepped onto a base, a rosary she had been carrying in the palm of her hand tore apart, its beads scattering over the concrete ground. Yeah. Yeah. I, I thought it was also good that uh, um, one of the people mentioned to the author that she should stay at the Marriott because the Marriott was the better of the hotels because, like, for, like, a, it was safer or something. So maybe this whole article and even the killings might have been, like, some sort of, like, uh, Marriott... <laughs> Uh, promotion kind of thing like to get people to read the article and go oh yeah maybe maybe next time i'll pick the marriott because it seems safer yeah. so less demons <laughs> next time you're you're uh, vacationing in in killeen texas <laughs> yeah I, i'd pick a hotel if it's like advertising slogan was less demons <laughs> yeah yeah <laughs> yeah <laughs> speaking of slogans i guess the the slogan for or the motto or whatever for this place is the great place is what it's called. Um, there's like a big uh, thing outside the gate. It says Bernie Beckgate, welcome to three core and Fort Hood, the great place. And then a bunch of emblems and stuff. Mm-hmm. Seems good. Seems like not as clue uh, that you're in hell. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I like great place because it's in quotes like on the, on the, sign yes. thing there so it yeah. almost looks like it's being sarcastic yeah and they also said that it was like the it's like basically the entry and exit point for troops that are going overseas i guess for mm. the army i guess yeah so yeah so yeah i think that's probably plays into maybe part of the extremes i don't know but yeah yeah a lot of guys coming back with ptsd and that kind of thing i'm not sure yeah or afraid of leaving and stuff like that i don't know sure or guilt. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, is, is that considered part of PTSD if like you're just uh, sort of like um I emotionally from that? Talking out of my ass. Yes, that's all PTSD is is guilt for the crimes you've done. I knew a guy with PTSD from uh, his tour. He was uh not really fun to live with. He kind of I mean he was bizarre f- for reasons that I assume are outside of his military experience, but uh, his PTSD had him like really jumpy. Like any anything that woke him up, like any sound woke him up in the middle of the night, he would just be like immediately in like uh, you know adrenaline kind of like combat mode or whatever. Mm-hmm. And uh, he was uh, this was when I was a student. He was also a student. And he uh, said he would get really panicky and anxious about people like reaching into their backpacks in class and stuff like that. It was like hyper vigilant, you know. Hmm. Doesn't sound fun. No. Um. Yeah. So, do we have any more on the Hate America beat 
easy to dance to. Yeah, the one episode. thing I wanted I wanted to uh, relate this all to was uh, Biden um, pulling the troops, at least the last of them officially, out of Afghanistan. And the one thing that I have noticed is, ever since that has been uh, announced, is that there have been more stories about the Afghanis and, you know, their struggles and, oh man, what's going to happen over the last three months since he announced that that I've seen in the last 15 years. The hangers-on of the, of the military-industrial complex are desperate to make you give a shit about the Afghanis again now that it will um, possibly make them uh, stay in, in Afghanistan for another God knows how long. So that's that's the context of all of this, I think. Mm-hmm. Sure. Yeah. All right, so um, we're in agreement, so moving on. <laughs> well, yeah, I don't know. I just, uh, yeah. I'm not sure where, like, it, it is It is a strange thing. I, I don't know. I, uh, I guess David Brooks had a thing today that came out, I think, that, like, said uh, basically, like, the U.S. was abandoning gay people to... Uh, like the the regimes kind of thing, like going on about how uh, having a foreign policy that is more favorable to like Hamas or something or the Taliban is like letting gay people uh, suffer to be isolationist kind of thing or something like that, which I thought was funny because I don't know. It just seems so crass now that I don't even know who buys it, but yeah. Yeah, but there's bad parts to the occupation too. Right? <laughs> okay. How many openly gay people are there in Afghanistan? I mean, come on. <laughs> yeah. yeah, well, they got that whole Bachabazi thing. I don't know if you need to be... Is that like, where they uh, fuck little boys? Yeah, that's the... Yeah. like That's, that's that not gay, thing. that's just correct. Right, like, I don't think they have a... I think the idea of, like, a, a gay identity, is it works a little different over there. Mm-hmm. Don, you're the expert. Like, like the, in. It's actually the, the <laughs> warlords that we're fighting are the people doing that. So, if anything, we are empowering the gay community in uh, Afghanistan by leaving. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, obviously, that whole thing is bullshit. They don't. David Brooks doesn't care about anybody outside of the United States, let alone gay people. It's all just a. Uh, it's all just a way to justify American military intervention. And you'll see, people are going to, people have yelled at me already. People are going to yell like, oh, don't you care about um, the Iraqis or the uh, Afghanis who are going to get killed when the Taliban takes over? And it's like, I mean, yeah, but to the extent you care, which is not at all. So, I mean, I would prefer in a perfect world that they don't, but you don't give a shit, and you're just using them as a weapon against me, and I'm not going to bite. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, we're not preventing death by <laughs> like having a military occupation. I don't know. I, I feel like you have to kind of justify that first before you get to the point of like, well, the Taliban take... I don't know. It, it's it's just very telling that it always jumps to, like, these cultural kind of things of, like, well, the Taliban are icky in these different ways that I don't like. I wouldn't like to live under them. Therefore, oh, NATO forces is probably fine. You know, that's probably better. I, I, like, I don't know if that's necessarily true. Yeah. 
Well, part of the problem is is that it is the worship of the troops. It's like, if they were there to save the Afghanis, you would have to accept a much higher level of death of the troops than you're currently willing to. If, like, if they're a threat, if they're pointing a gun at the troops, and the troops see it, and they have to talk them down. And, you know, in a decent percentage amount of those situations, uh, the troop is going to get killed, and you have to suck that up. If that if your goal is to save the Afghanis, then yeah, a bunch of our boys are going to die. But you are not willing to accept that. So the only thing that can happen is is that we try to keep our boys safe, and we just fire, you know, bombs and anything that looks at us funny, and somehow it doesn't work. So troop worship is a major stumbling block on tr actually trying to do anything that you want to accomplish in these countries. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It's also just an extremely complicated situation. Uh, we did an episode, I don't know, what is it, like a year, a year and a half ago yeah. with uh, our, our friend Ibrahim. And if you, if you listen to that one or if you go back and listen to it now, it, it's just obviously more complicated than... Just like, oh, are we gonna save the save the Afghan people from uh, the Taliban or not? Like that's that's just not how it's. Look, that's not I don't the know your friend Ibrahim, but I can assure you, I know more about Afghani internal politics than him. So, <laughs> <laughs> okay. I mean, it, it, Afghani is the currency, and Afghan is also the, the nationality. But well, that's what I, you I'm think. Sure that I just established <laughs> I know more than you. So yeah. why are you correcting right. me? Yeah. Sure. He's, He's been doing Pashto that. on uh, Duolingo for the last five years, so <laughs> <laughs> he knows how to yeah. say television. <laughs> yeah. I know to say how to say where are the boys? <laughs> <laughs> All right. Question time. Uh this one is from Cowboy Flint, one of the few not anonymous questioners here. Uh, this show has gone on for an awfully long time without ever broaching the topic of cricket. Now, I don't know much about the sport myself, yet it still fascinates me. What are y'all's opin individual opinions on cricket? Have y'all ever played? Normally, when people say y'all, it kind of annoys me, but he is a cowboy, so I'll allow mm -hmm. it. Sure. So, how about you, Tom? You you actually lived in India, I guess, and that's the... So, I guess it's yeah. pretty popular there. So. so, I played a little bit of cricket. I don't really understand the rules properly, um, and the skill, like baseball skills, don't really translate well to cricket exactly. Like the like bowling is kind of the uh, the term for pitching, and it's very different. Uh, and then the batting is different too. But it was fun. I don't know. It seems cool. It, the games go on very long. Like they're multi-day games. Wow. Yeah. So they like play. For a period of time in a day, and then they kind of like obviously take a break and then come back to it the next day and stuff. Mm -hmm. I think if I had to like explain the rules for cricket, I would get maybe like 10% of them even like within the ballpark kind of thing. Like not even like I would be able yeah. to be like, so there's like you got like a bat and then you're like near these little sticks or something. That's about it. Like I don't know. I don't know. Um yeah, uh, you have to like you hit it. You can you get to decide when you want to run. I th there may be some sort of rules around that, but that's my understanding. A six is like a home run. If you hit a six, that's like a home run. I think if the bowler gets the ball to like knock the back wicket off, like that's a kind of like a strikeout sort of a thing. 
I don't know. Totally mysterious. Yeah. <laughs> How about you, Goat? Any uh, any thoughts on cricket? I have nothing to add. Next question. Okay. Are bottomless virgin mimosas a scam? Bottomless virgin? Is that its orange juice? I don't don't really know what goes into a mimosa. I think a mimosa is just champagne and orange juice. Yeah, so maybe maybe that's the scam. Yeah, it's just orange juice. Yeah, I guess it would be. Unless you have something to do the job of, like something substituting for the champagne. Yeah, like ginger ale or or something. something. Yeah. Mm Mm-hmm. Um, yes, I'm going to say yes, that sounds like a scam. Unless you like orange juice, I guess. Mm-hmm. Then... <laughs> it's just orange juice. It's not a bottomless mimosa. It's just bottomless orange juice. Yeah, fair. Um, I... But if, if that sounds good to you, then that doesn't sound too bad. Yeah, I guess that's not a scam if you like orange juice. Yeah. yeah. I And I think, Tom, you should take the side of this because it doesn't have alcohol in it. So it's like... Uh, sure, other, I, I, that's you know, fine. The, it's like, uh, you know, if you had actual bottomless mimosas, you'd, you'd end up in hell or something. So, yeah. Yeah, that yep. would definitely be a scam. You're yep. scamming yourself. Yep. But, in, he- uh, in heaven, you get 72 bottomless virgin mimosas. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, if, it, if it's like $15 or something for the orange juice, that's definitely a scam. It has nothing to do with the alcohol or not. But, mm-hmm. like, you're basically paying for the alcohol and not getting it at that point. Sure. Uh, let's see. There were 83,576 abortions in Canada in 2019. A good start. (laughs) Yeah, that's almost like, what, 5% of the whole population or so. Hmm. Uh, why is so much of the Canadian left focus on the deaths at residential schools where there is a bloodbath of children every year? Um, yeah, (laughs) I don't know. Do you know what's funny is that because of uh my position online now um this could be a joke or it could be serious because i, cause I yeah. see stuff like this now um it, it kind of sounded like someone trying their hand at donald posting that's true bit. that's true but it, it also uh you never know um yeah i don't know I, I, yeah i'll just accept the joke i'll just accept it as a joke i'm not gonna riff on it i'm just gonna say because it's, it's it's a little tasteless. Uh. Rookie numbers. Yeah. Okay, uh, my my answer is, sir, I've already told you I don't know for 500 yards within a preschool. I'm pleased to know a lot. <laughs> okay. Hey, fellas, I was going through your back catalog, a perfectoroony of delight, and I noticed aside from tabs, it looks like you haven't had any women on as guests on the show. Is that just a coincidence, or are you trying to subtly discourage free mixing? Alhamdulillah. Uh, we've had other women guests. We had um, Alana a couple times um, with Molly. We had Sid on. Mm-hmm. Um, we've had Goat on several times. Yeah. I'm sexy. <laughs> the problem is, as you say, women can't read, so how are they going to follow the instructions to get onto the server? It's always a struggle. Sure. Yeah, I usually have to get a guy on to like kind of help set things up. Yeah, um, yeah, I don't know. I mean, we get some real weirdos on this one, so that's why it's uh, so male focused. We because we respect the women too much to maybe uh, not to cause trouble here, but maybe um, 
Tom is keeping women off the podcast so they don't fall in love with you, so he can keep you enslaved to his podcasting empire. <laughs> yeah, that's a good idea. Yeah. I can't confirm or disconfirm that. Sure. Uh, okay. Uh, is Tom willing to admit that he was retarded for investing in Bitcoin? Yeah, possibly. And also helping to destroy the earth in the process. Okay. Is this what he meant by ethical consumption? Yes, that's exactly what I meant. Yep. I always talk about ethical consumption and I meant destroying the earth by buying Bitcoin. <laughs> yeah. I don't know. It, I think that uh, it, it's one of those things where people are, it, it became a meme thing to say that it's destroying the earth. It probably is, but like, I don't know how much more than anything else kind of thing, you know? Um, it's it's a completely in- stupid thing to say, to be honest. Yeah. Like, uh, it's just, it's like getting mad about like soda stream or something like that kind of thing. It's just like, uh, it's just like a totally, I don't know. And, uh, I mean, it, it's like saying using your credit card at the grocery store is destroying the earth because the financial system uses electricity. Like, yeah, the, well, that's Bitcoin uses the same amount of power. It doesn't matter who's how, if you buy it or not. It's not like you buy a Bitcoin and then like some computer like turns on and starts churning away and stuff. You know, it, it's just really dumb. Uh, well, I think it is true that the credit card is destroying the earth, too. It's just that. Uh, it's just like uh, it's just such a collective problem that trying to make it into like uh, I don't know I don't think you ever had said on here that Bitcoin's going to solve climate change or something like that kind of thing. So, well, yeah. that's true. But then El Salvador is going to start doing uh, geothermal powered mining rigs out of their volcanoes. So now I do think it's going to uh, solve the environmental sure. crisis. Yeah. So everyone should buy Bitcoin to save the Earth. That's what I okay. think. Okay. My position is your your fans seem interested in roasting you guys. They should be nicer. <laughs> I I guess I actually tend to like to read those ones. Those are <laughs> yeah, most fun ones. Sure. I would never do such a thing. Um, here's a fun question: Were any of Don's ancestors interned in the Ukrainian internment camps? Um, I don't think so. No. Um, did any of them fall out of the guard tower at the end? <laughs> but they were—they were, they were uh, um, uh, a few of them were socialists, and uh, um, my mom, my mom was saying that she—I didn't know this before—but like uh, because there was like a wave of like refugees after uh, World War II and stuff, she said that like people that were like Polish or Ukrainian and stuff like that in Winnipeg uh, tended to be called DPs, which meant displaced persons. So like uh, mm-hmm. like she was like you know people would be like oh she's a DP or something like that kind of thing because they they associated that with like uh, people being refugees and immigrants and stuff like that so it, it it was weird like I don't know like you know because I'm just like extremely just a random Canadian guy like it's 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 strange to think that you know my mom thought of herself as like part of like you know an immigrant community coming up and stuff like that and I don't know. That's interesting to me. I don't know, like DPs, I don't know. That'd be funny to get like some sort of thing like that growing up, yeah. Yeah, it's always fun to get DPs when you're growing up. Sure. Um, I, I think that term was used like, uh, I don't think it's like a Ukraine-specific no, term because I, no. I, I I think I read that in, I saw it in Gravity's Rainbow is where I sure. think I first heard yeah. it. No, yeah, I think, it, it, but it's but in Winnipeg it was used for like Eastern Europeans generally, so yeah. Hmm. Okay. 
Um, why don't you ever answer my questions? Is it because you are mean? Is it because I am a sedivantist? Yeah. I think that's like a Catholic. It's it's like a person that believes that the chair of St. Peter, like the Pope, is uh, vacant because uh, they they don't think that, like, because they think that, like, somehow the church has fallen away from, like, the true teachings, meaning, like, just using Latin and Mass and stuff like that. So there's actually... There's a fair number of them now. It's like just like a crank thing generally, but like, uh, I don't know. It's very strange. Right now in the United States, like a lot of the stuff is getting, it, it got got whipped up again into a frenzy yesterday or the day before because uh, the Pope said that like the mass had to be you know, less often in Latin, basically. Like you just restricted certain things. And uh, that flipped, like just the number of Americans that were like flipping out about it being like the Pope is... I don't know. Like I saw some some guy being like saying that like I don't know. Like you just see these people that are like professors at like top schools and stuff, just like swearing at each other and stuff about it and stuff. It's funny, but yeah. Whenever I hear about this kind of stuff, I sort of feel like if you are committed to the idea of the church, you got to just you know the church is the church. You got to like if if you put faith in in the idea of like this having uh like significance on like a cosmic divine level or whatever you gotta just go with with it otherwise i feel like you gotta keep going down that line of logic and then there are some very interesting other faiths that may uh kind of speak to you know if you're looking for like somebody who may be calling for a reform of monotheism and it says yeah, yeah. that, you know, people kind of went off the wrong track with things. I don't well, know. Maybe, maybe uh, well, the, continue down that line of logic a little bit further. There's, there's a big overlap between people that are like Latin is the real language of the church and all that kind of stuff. And uh, people that believe that like Islam is like just barbarian Satanism or something like that. So, yeah. Yeah. Well, they, they clearly got, have done their research, I guess. Okay, uh, this person says, I like pictures of naked men. <laughs> okay. Nice. So that was Big Dave, I guess. <laughs> Is that yeah. the question? Yeah, that was it. It's not a question, sir, but yes. France is gay? <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. Well, I, I like that that sounds like, wait, what? France is gay? Like... <laughs> Show me the light. I mean, if you were going to have to pick a country, I don't know if that would be like a surprising, like, wait, what? France? You know? Mm-hmm. Um, who is someone IRL or online who you think is most consistently wrong about things, and what is something they're right about? Alright, I'm going here. All right, a uh, person who I think most consistently online is wrong about things is Matt Iglesias. He's wrong about nearly everything. He's a big fat idiot, and I would kill him if... Uh, hold on. Uh, take two. <laughs> I would uh, kill him in Minecraft if I had the chance. But um, he is correct about uh, the increase in burrito quality over the last 15 years. Oh, yeah. Burritos are... Yeah, they're good. Back in my better. day, man, burritos were shitty. And now they got, like, shrimp in them and stuff. It's great. Mm-hmm. I haven't had a shrimp burrito. Do they uh, just put them in their hole or chop them up? 
Um, generally they're, they're whole. I don't eat too many fish burritos because I'm a vegetarian, although my, uh, daughter will eat fish, so I'll have some, and they're, they're delicious. Um, uh, yeah, definitely a whole lot better than Taco Bell when I was a teenager, so, and, uh, yeah, Mataglaze is just correct. The burrito economy has increased to a great amount of, uh, ability, and, um, it won't save him from my firing squad, but I have to admit he's correct on that. My favorite thing about vegetarians is that when they have children, their diet has sapped them of all their masculine energy. They can't even imbue these values of theirs, these twisted, perverted ideas, onto their own children. So it just dies in one generation. It's, it's more than wonderful like, how nature works. It's more than like I'm not a psychopath and I'm not just going to show my daughter like pictures of torn apart cows and stuff. <laughs> so like, if you want to eat fish, fine, whatever. I don't care. Mm-hmm. Yeah. How about you, Tom? What's a person that is consistent? Um, I don't know. I don't really pay attention to all these pundits and stuff. Um, I, I what comes to mind are like these, uh, like really wackadoo Salafi, you know, like Saudi cleric type folks. Um, a lot, <laughs> I think they get a lot of things kind of weird. Um. But, you know, ultimately, I think they got some basic ideas right. You know what I mean? Like, uh, they're Muslim, so <laughs> they're right about that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so uh, I guess I, I guess I'll say, I'm not going to name, like, a particular account, but, like, uh, there's, like, a cluster of accounts that, like, do uh, socialist history. And they do socialist history in the way that, like, a MAGA person or, like, maybe not even MAGA, but, like, more like early 2000s conservative person might do history kind of stuff like just terrible memes about like how i don't know like reagan never increased the debt or something like that kind of thing just like totally wild things but like you know just like really low level stuff so they do stuff like uh all the time you see things where it'll be like the quote official propaganda sources from the soviets or something uh saying something and be like that's proof kind of thing or something like that like so one of the big things that people do is it'll be like you know stalin said that like anti-semitism was one of the worst crimes in the soviet union because in stuff and they're like that's proof he wasn't anti-semitic and it's like that's not that's not proof at all it's like saying you, you, <laughs> i don't know it's like you could quote anyone saying that or whatever like I don't know, like, uh, there's so many things yeah, like that. Yeah, like where Trump it's like, saying he loves Hispanics because he's eating a burrito bowl. Kind yeah, of it's basically like that, yeah. And uh, it's, uh, I don't know, and there's there's so much of it now. It's just, it, there's just like a flood of it. And the thing, the thing that bothers me is not that it's out there, which is one thing. It's that I click their profile and I see that there's like a hundred mutuals or something like that. And I'm like, oh man, <laughs> like, am I going to have to like you know, shed all my friends again and go into the desert or something, you know? So, because uh, they are like, oh, yeah, oh, that's interesting. Stalin is not anti-Semitic because uh, he, he said it was one of the greatest crimes. That's interesting. So, yeah, I don't know. You know what I mean? Like, like what, what, what are they, like, are, are my posts and their posts, like, equivalent in their mind kind of thing? If they're, like, you know, they're reading me and they're, like, going, oh, yeah, he, he's mad about this thing that happened in Canada or something like that. Uh, I should tell him about that interesting thing that happened where, uh, you know, 
Korea, North Korea said that like uh, they're one of the most democratic countries on earth, so that must be true or something like that. You know, like I don't know, very very strange. Are you familiar with the North Korea conspiracy theory? Which which one is this? The one that everything that North Korea says about itself is correct, and that's why the U.S. is trying to destroy them. Oh yeah, like I, I mean, I see that a lot. Yeah, yeah. That's one of my favorites. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I I don't know, Don. I think uh, the sooner that you just kind of accept that we're all idiots and that everyone's sure. just kind of like, <laughs> yeah. I think the easier it is to kind of just let that stuff flow over. Okay. It's like, well, everyone's got their their little thing. Sure. Um, yeah, that's a very you can't win conclusion, I guess. But uh, um, I don't know. Why, why don't we leave it there unless you have something else that you wanted to. Um, I have one, one last okay, one. Sure. It's from our, uh, you know, our friendly neighborhood white supremacist. He says, uh, podcasting is a Jewish vice. As Felix Biederman, Adam Friedland, Brace Belden, and of course Will Menneker have shown to us, sad to see two able-bodied Aryan men succumb to this disease. All right, yeah. there's a lot of fact checks I need to throw in here. I'm not. Yeah, I, I I don't know if I count. Yeah, I don't know if I count as able-bodied. So or Aryan or Aryan. Or yeah, sure. Y- Yuki scum. Okay. Are 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 Ukrainians not considered Aryan? Is that is that is that how it works? Slavs. Slavs are yeah, like you're Slavs, cattle, man. right? I thought Slavs were like Aryan, but not like uh, they're like sub subhuman culture or something like that. I don't Your know. square brain would think that. Okay. No, uh, Slavs are, are definitely an inferior race to the Aryans, Uh-oh. according to yeah. the great minds of history. Okay, well. Yeah, yeah he said while well, being led toward the grave, like, no, I thought <laughs> we were Aryan, but like, yeah. <laughs> sure. Yeah, well. Get on the pierogi train, Don. Yeah, this is that, that. That is why I do tell people I'm biracial. So, I don't know. Yeah, correct. You should. Sure. <laughs> they should be aware. Okay. <laughs> anyway, thanks, Goat. Thanks for coming yeah, on. Thanks for coming. I would on. say uh, Joe Rogan is not Jewish. So, what is this guy talking about? He's the most famous podcaster. Sure. He's Italian or something, isn't he? I don't know. He's some kind of meathead. Thank you guys for having <laughs> me on once again. I always enjoy it. Sure, man. Always a pleasure. All right. So if you enjoyed this episode and you'd like a second episode, if you can't win every week, you can subscribe to our Patreon and you'll get that as well as access to our Discord where you can chat with us in our lovely community. If you want to send us anonymous questions, you can do that by going to the Twitter account at you can't win pod and you'll find the link to the Curious Cat pin there. Thanks for listening and we'll catch you next week. Thanks, guys. Bye. Bye.